Jesus, the original pioneer, and as I was coming into this week, I wrote a a message on Wednesday, because I I knew I had an interesting week coming up, or weekend, and um, Friday night around midnight, God woke me up and said, no, no, no. (laughs) And so he and I argued for a bit, and I gave in, because he promised to let me go back to sleep if I gave in. But, but he dropped this scripture in my heart, and, and he dropped this word, basics, basics. And as I began to think about the basics of the gospel, I began to think about, there's never been a time in my life where I'm more surprised that people I come in contact with that have gone to church their whole life who may say, you, you know, they don't, they don't know what they believe. Have you ever found that to be true? How important is it to know what we believe? How important is it to know and be led by the Holy Spirit and to understand the Word of God and to understand who we are as Christians? And so today, I'm going to preach a really basic message to you, simplicity of the gospel. Story goes, the kid got sick, so the mom stayed at home with him on Sunday, and dad went to church. Dad comes home from church, and the wife says, well, how was the sermon? He said, you know, it was pretty basic and simple. She looked back at him. She said, Pastor must have wrote that one for you. <laughs> so let's get into this right now. John 14, 1 through 7. John 14, 1 through 7. We'll focus mostly on verse 6 of this and we'll walk through it together. But let's read this whole thing. If you have your Bible, turn there. John 14, verses 1 through 7. If you don't, You can look here on the screen and we can read along together. Here we go. Verse 1, the book of John, chapter 14. Do not let your hearts be troubled. You believe in God, believe also in me. My Father's house has many rooms. If that were not so, would I have told you that I'm going there to prepare a place for you? And if I go and prepare a place for you, I will come back and take you to be with me, that you also may be where I am. You know the way to the place where I am going. Thomas said to him, Lord, we don't know where you are going, so how can we know the way? Jesus answered, I am the way and the truth and the life. No one comes to the Father except through me. If you really know me, you will know my Father as well. From now on, you do know him and have seen him. Let's pray. Father, thank you that your word is alive, it's active, it's a change agent. I pray right now, Father, that you would use your word to change our hearts so that we could change the community that you've placed us in. Let us be a light in this community. Let us be salt of the earth. In Jesus' name, amen. So we think about this passage just for a second before we get into the points. Jesus is talking to the disciples and he's giving some encouraging words. He's given some encouraging words of, uh, to them because he understands what they're about to go through. Now, so, so he's saying, don't let your hearts be troubled. And he's talking about having to go away. But he's saying, you know the way. And, and then Thomas voices the question, poor Thomas. And how do we know Thomas? We don't know Thomas that was there in all the miracles. We don't know Thomas. That, we just know Thomas. Thomas just said what was on everybody else's mind. Except Peter couldn't keep his mouth shut. Thomas just voiced the question that everybody else wanted to ask. Like, so Thomas is still seeing in the natural. Like, okay, Lord, we don't know where you're going. Are we playing hide and seek here? And so he asked this question, and, God, and, and Jesus begins to tell him. And then, and then we get to, why is it so important to understand the context where Jesus says, I am the way 
and the truth and the life. No one comes to the Father except through me. Why is it so important to understand in what context he's saying this? He is talking to the disciples. He is talking to the very men that are going to spread this new grace, this new mercy, this new message all throughout the known world at the time. They, they are going to go counter. It's not that there wasn't religion in that day and time. There was religion everywhere you went. It just wasn't the right religion. It wasn't about the new grace. It wasn't about mercy. It was about, hey, here, here's a way that you can be okay. And by the way, here's a thousand pounds I'm going to put on your back and you have to do this to get this. And Jesus is saying, no, I am the way. I am the truth. I am the life. And so no one comes to God the Father except through me. He's making it very plain to the disciples. This would this world is not all there is. I'm going to go away. My father's house has many rooms. I'm going to prepare a place for you. And if I prepare a place for you, will I not come back for you? But while you are here, I want you to know that I am the way. So understanding that Jesus is talking to the disciples, those that are going to spread this new grace, this new mercy, this new truth throughout the known world is very important as we get into the points. We good? Let's get started. Number one, Jesus pioneered the way. Jesus pioneered the way. We, we reference Hebrews 4, 14 through 16 a lot, but yet it is so elementary and basic, but so profound in our faith. Hebrews 4, 14 through 16 says, therefore, since we have a great high priest who has ascended into heaven, Jesus, the son of God, let us hold firmly to the faith, stop right here, we profess. So therefore, since we have a great high priest who is ascended in heaven, Jesus, son of God. So, so the writer of Hebrews is speaking to, to that culture to where in the law, a priest had to go into the Holy of Holies and offer a sacrifice for people. Now we know Jesus has come. He has become that sacrifice. So let us hold firmly to that faith. You got to understand what faith you're holding on to before you can hold on firmly. So let's keep going to verse 15. For we do not have a high priest who is unable to empathize with our weaknesses, but we have one who has been tempted in every way, just as we are, yet he did not sin. Let us approach God's throne of grace with confidence so that we may receive mercy and find grace to help us in our time of need. Not to be redundant, we look at this, this passage a lot, but this is what this passage is talking about. Jesus came to this earth. Jesus was born of a virgin. Jesus, our high priest, lived a sinless life. Even though he was tempted in every way that you and I are tempted, he lived without sin. Then he, then he takes our death and sin on the cross. He dies. He's placed in the grave and he rises. But while he's on the cross, he says these words, it is finished. When he gives up his spirit, the Bible says the veil in the temple was torn. That was significant. It represented the fact that you and I at that moment, because of what Jesus had done, could enter into the presence of the almighty God. We didn't need anybody to do it for us anymore. Jesus paved the way. He is the way maker. You don't need anybody else in your life to lead you into the presence of God. You can 
can get to the presence of God in your car. You can get in the presence of God on your surfboard. You can get in the presence of God on your fishing boat. You can get in the presence of God, hopefully, at church. You don't need anyone else. Jesus has already paved the way. He is the way. Now, you, you work that, you work that over into 1 Timothy 2 5. It says, For there is one God and one mediator between God and mankind, the man Christ Jesus. Think about mediator for just a second. And mediator in our terms would be someone who sits between two parties. Their job is to not be partial to either party and to try to get those two parties to reconcile on common ground. Correct? Well, when we have Jesus, the Son of God, as our mediator, it is a win-win. Because you remember when the disciples came back and urged Jesus to eat? And they said, you need some food. He said, I've got food that you know not of. My food is what? Doing the will of the Father. It was Jesus' whole part. When he's in the garden praying, he says, not my will, but your will be done. What was that will? That will was for humanity to be restored back to a rightful relationship with a God that created you and I to walk with him every day. So now we have a mediator in Jesus Christ who is for us, not against us, yet his whole purpose is to do the will of God. So he is saying, hey guys, I'm going to reach out and grab humanity. Hey God, I know it's your will. Let me build a bridge. I am the bridge. Let me, Jesus is the way. John 10, 9 says, I am the gate. Whoever enters through me will be saved. They will come in and out, go out and find pasture. I am the gate. Now, to understand this, I, I didn't have time to read nor the voice for all three services, so let me paraphrase what, where the text is coming from. This text is coming from, in the first chapter of John 10, Jesus begins to uh, uh, tell a metaphor of sheep and the shepherd and how the, the good shepherd, the sheep know the voice of the good shepherd, and only the shepherd can enter through the gate, and it's the gatekeeper who opens the gate. Now, the sheep will not listen to a stranger's voice, so anyone who does not come through the gate, watch this, anyone who does not come through the gate, the Bible says in those first, first, first one through eight, is a thief and a robber. Who is he talking to? Who is he talking about there? He's talking to the Pharisees. Read it for yourself. He is talking to the Pharisees. He's saying, look, he's telling the religious people of that day, you are putting too much burden. I, I am the way. I am the gate. And you guys are jumping the fence to get to my sheep. You're a thief and robber. Oh, my goodness. I mean, because we can, because watch this, John 10, 10. For the thief comes to, it's not on the screen, look at me. I want you to understand how this story goes. John 10, 10, we all, we all, a lot of us know it. For the thief comes to, but I have come to, he is telling the Pharisees that they are thieves and robbers in around verse five or six, and then they didn't understand. So he looks right at them and says, I am the gate, and only the good shepherd can come through the gate. I love this idea of the gate when Dylan was around, my son was around two and a half, three years old, he's, he's 20 now. Um, 
I tell I, last night, I said when my son was two and a half years old, my wife cracked up before she even, she didn't even know what I was going to talk about. Anyway, we were going through this small town in Tennessee, and the name of the town is Gates. And my son's always been a thinker. He thinks a lot more than he talks. And so, where are we at, Dad? I said, we're in Gates, Tennessee. I'm not kidding you, 25, 30 minutes later, he's still in his car seat, so, he, you know, supposedly in his car seat, age. So, he, I mean, 25 minutes later, he goes, Dad, if we're in Gates, and we were long past Gates, because like blinking, you miss Gates, Tennessee. He said, if we're in Gates, where are the fences? I think that we would do good to read the Bible like a child. And, and here, here's, here's what Jesus is trying to say. There, has, there's, there is a barrier, there is a barrier that is, has been put in place to separate and protect, and only I can get through that barrier. Only I, can, I am the gate, and all who enter through me will go in and out. Yes, we'll spend eternal life. That's what Jesus is talking about in, in the opening text. But we, we go in and out of that gate. We, go, we operate in this world that God's placed us in, yet we come back in. We find pasture with Jesus because he pioneered the way. He is the way. He is the way maker. It's Jesus Christ. There's one mediator between God and mankind, and it is Jesus Christ. Number two, Jesus pioneered the truth. John 1, 14, the word became flesh, made his dwelling among us. We have seen his glory, the glory of the one and only son who came from the father, full of grace and truth. Now, before we go any further, and again, this, this simplicity of this message hopefully encourages you not only to share the gospel with people, but to ground you deeper in your faith. So, so let's talk about truth for a second. Let's talk about, let's say you have a young person that's about to graduate high school or has already went off to college. They're going into a classroom, into a setting, and they are going to sit under someone who's very educated, who has degrees all over their walls, who is very, very versed and is very, very convinced that there is nothing that's really true. There's no right or wrong. If you think it's right and it's okay, it's okay with you. There's no real truth. There's, we, we live in a, a pluralistic society when it comes to who God is. You know, you, you, you could, and maybe you're even here today, you're still unsure of who God is. He is the I am. He is the creator of all. He was, he is, and he is to come. He spans time. Time runs through his hands. He, everything you see and touch and smell and taste, he created everything that we even know about in, in this life. So now we have a culture and a generation that's being taught there is no truth. There's no real truth. And so then we can enter into a place of what is true. And I would submit to you today, I can remember growing up in my pastor from the time I was very little, I can remember my pastor saying, there will come a day that even in the church, even in the church, there will be people who dispute parts of the word of God. And I can remember as a kid, no, no, no way. It's no laughing matter. No way. There's no way, no way any pastor's ever going to stand up and say, well, we can take this part, but let's take this part out. And we can take this part, but let's take this part. What is truth? 
The word became flesh and dwelt among us. Jesus says, I am the way and the truth. Look at this next verse. All scripture is God breathed and is useful for teaching, rebuking, correcting, and training in righteousness. So here, here you have this idea of truth. So Jesus says, I am the way and the truth. Then the Bible says the word becomes flesh. Well, in 1 John, it says that in the beginning was the word and the word was with God and the word was God. And then we see 14 verses later where it says the word becomes flesh and dwells among us, obviously speaking of Jesus Christ. So the word is becoming alive in the life of Jesus. He walks the faith of the face of this earth and becomes our high priest. So if I am asked the question, what is true, which I have I have been inundated from friends over the last few months that run businesses, that are heads of organizations, that, that are leaders. And I've had lunches and had phone calls, and this question keeps coming up. Hey, how do you, and how do you respond to this question? Or how do you respond to someone asking this? Or how do you respond to someone saying this? Or how do you respond to someone saying this? And my answer, like they're asking me as a leader, how do I respond? And my first answer is in love. And my second answer is in truth. So there's the bait. And, and these guys and ladies are saying, well, well, what is the truth? That's what I'm trying to get at. Well, the truth for me, my friend, is the word of God. That's, that's, are you see, you seeing how Jesus is building the case. I am the way, I am the truth. He said, I am, I am the truth. The I am became flesh, the word of God became flesh and dwelt among us. So then he is the truth. Jesus Christ is the truth. Therefore, the Bible is true. There, there is such a strong pull on our society today to to sacrifice truth at the altar of peace. Should we be hateful? No. Should we always act in love? Yes. They will know we are His by our love. But this is true, friends. This is true. And and we're going to have to stand. And why do I preach a message like this? Because I'm terrified to stand before God one day and give an account for what I said to you. Do you, do you realize that? I, 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 I tremble because I'm going to be held accountable to what I teach you. And, and so what is truth? The truth is the word of God. The, that, that is the truth. Parents in here, do, for all of us who've already raised our kids, we want to give you some advice. Open the Bible at home. Teach your, get a children's Bible if they're still kids and they can't read. Get a youth Bible if they're youth. If they're teenagers, get an idiot Bible. No, I'm just kidding. <laughs> don't, don't put that online. I'm just kidding. No, no greater time is there to open the Bible than when they're teenagers. Find a way to talk about the Bible. Make it the center of conversation at dinner, by the way. You can't do that if the TV's on. Or you're on Facebook making a post saying I'm having quality time with my family. You, oh, I'm making a lot of friends today. I love it. Listen, 
open the word of God and say, because there's going to come around that sixth grade, seventh grade, eighth grade time period where they start asking questions. And they're going to ask, God, Dad, Mom, what is true? Well, well, Johnny at school said that he does this or that or the other and that, and that God, you know, there's many ways, different ways to get to heaven. And Johnny says this, and, and my teacher said this, what is truth? I can tell you growing up, I got in a lot of trouble. Lots of trouble. And, and I don't, I don't say this, and I, I'm not over exaggerating. I am lucky to be alive today. It's just by God's grace and a praying grandmother and praying parents. Really? Seriously, and a patient dad, because he should have killed me if what I was doing out in the world did not kill me. So, but I can honestly tell you this. Raised in church, sermon after sermon after sermon, kicking and screaming on Sunday nights, getting drugged to church. All my friends are still playing football or basketball or whatever we're doing in the neighborhood. There was not one time one time that I crossed the line doing something I know I shouldn't do, there was not one time that I did not hear the voice of the Holy Spirit say, Jason, don't do that. Why? Because the truth of God had been put in me. Did it keep me from doing it? No, unfortunately not. But did I know better? Absolutely. Absolutely. Get the word of God in your listen, we, listen. We we love to complain about how our government's being run. We love to complain about all this stuff. It starts in the home. You are raising the next congressmen and women. You are raising the next senators. Let's make a difference with the word of God in their lives. It is possible because we do win. Talk about that in a minute. John John one seventeen says this: For the law was given through Moses, grace and truth came through Jesus. Christ. I'm just I'm gonna throw a lot of scriptures at you just really quick. John 17, 8, for I gave them the words you gave me, and they me and they accepted them. They knew with certainty that I came from you, and they believed that you had sent me. And you worked that over into John 17, 17. Sanctify them by the truth. Your word, say it with me, your word is Sanctification is a process. Salvation is immediate. Sanctification is a process. We walk out sanctification in our life. It's a, it's a discipleship process. It's an everyday process. How do we do that? Through the word of God. How do we do that? To exposing ourselves to the ultimate truth. The only truth that we know. It washes our mind. It washes the world off of us. It is powerful. It is because it is alive. Because Jesus, the word became flesh and dwelt among us. So Jesus is talking to Thomas, he's talking to the disciples, he's talking to those who are going to go forward, and they, they're, they're going, they're literally going to spread this new grace, they're going to spread this new idea across the known world at the time, and he's saying these three things, I am the way, I am the truth, and I am the life. So number three, Jesus pioneered the life. John eleven twenty five. 25, Jesus said to her, I am the resurrection and the life. The one who believes in me will live even though they die. Even though, well, so, so Jesus, 
back to the original text is talking to them in the sense that, look, I know we're on earth now, but I'm going away. But if I go away, I'm coming back. So what is he saying? What you see is not all there is to it. There's so much more. This life is but a breath. It's a vapor, the Bible says. And, and so Jesus is trying to encourage them with that. Yeah, be encouraged and don't let your hearts be troubled. And so we, and, and then you have verses like John 11, Jesus said to her, I am the resurrection and the life. The one who believes in me will live even though they die. And yes, anyone can quote this scripture, but there is no adding to the I am. It doesn't say we are. It says I am. It doesn't say I am plus this, this, and this. It says I am. That's why Jesus looked at the disciples and says, I am the way. I am the truth and I am the life. He said, I've come to give life and life abundantly. Yes, here and now salvation has come yet also for eternity. You look at, look at the next scripture. John 1, 4 through 5. In him was life and that life was the light of all mankind. The light shines in the darkness and the darkness has not overcome it. Oh, God, man. In him was life. Life. Our world has defined life to get all you can, to, to, to do all you want, to, to store it all up. And, and, you know, he who dies with the most toys wins. And, and that's life. It's the commercials that tell you if you drive that car, you're going to be 20 years younger and your hair is going to stop falling out. Y'all know what I'm talking about? Those commercials? That's not life. Life is the fruit of the Spirit. Life is love and joy. Life is patience and goodness and kindness and gentleness and faithfulness. Life is self-control. Life is life with God. Life is Jesus. Jesus is life. In him was life. And that life was, that life was what? It was a light. Jesus was a light. Who lights a candle and puts it under a basket? For what good will it do? Jesus was light to who? All mankind. Not the rich, not the poor, not the in-between, not a certain person of status. To all mankind. He was life and in him was light to all mankind. Now watch this. The light shines in the darkness. Now we are in, friend, we're in present tense. The light shines in the darkness, and the darkness has not overcome it. Yes, we live in dark times. Yes, this is a crazy world, but I would submit to you today with every fiber of my being, there has never been a more exciting time to be a Christ follower than right now where we are sitting. We have the word of God. We know the way, we know the truth, and we know the life. Listen, Paul says, for I am not ashamed of the gospel because it is the power of God that brings salvation to everyone. Everyone who believes the light shines in the darkness and the darkness has not overcome it. God has, listen, you are on purpose in all of the years throughout all of time and in the span of time, you could have been born at any time, but God chose you and I in 2016 to be sitting here right now to have the influence of the gospel of Jesus Christ. And my Bible says the steps of the righteous are ordered by God. 
You are not a mistake. You are on purpose. Before he formed you in your mother's womb, he knew you. He has plans for you, plans to prosper you and not harm you, plans to give you a hope and a future. You are on purpose. And when you, listen, I know that I didn't really start living until I realized that Jesus was my purpose. That, that Jesus, that is the purpose of every day of my life. How important is it that we know he is the way, he is the truth, he is the life, he is grace, he is full of grace, he is full of mercy, and, and how important is it to know that we are on purpose? We are on purpose. We win. Listen, we listen to me. We win. I don't know. I wish you could get odds in Vegas on how the world's going to end. I don't know how, how that's probably not very theologically correct. I don't know when. Only the Father knows when, but I know how. Because the Bible, the Bible, I shared this last week. If you weren't here, there are 300 prophecies about Jesus' first coming to earth, his birth. There are three times as many prophecies in the Bible about his second coming. He's coming back. We win. So why not be a light while we're here? Why not be salt of the earth? Why not in love, in grace, with patience, stand on the truth? He is the way, he's the truth, and he is the light. In him was life, and that life was the light of all mankind. The light shines in the darkness, and the darkness has not overcome it. Jesus Christ, God, our heavenly Father in heaven, is looking to you and I to shine the right light. The right light. And you can only do that by knowing the word of God. You can only do that by being Christ-like. I, was, I preached this message last night, and, and I, I was visiting with someone after service. And they were telling me about someone in their life group that was 80 years old. 80 years old. And after, one, after the life group, the uh, gentleman comes up to, to him and says, Hey, I don't know if I... I he, this guy's been in church his whole life. Church. His whole life, his entire life. He's 80 years old. So basically, I never missed missed church. At 80 years old, he walks up to the guy leading the life group and says, Hey, I I don't know that I've ever accepted Jesus Christ as my personal Savior. Praise God, the leader of the life group said, Let's do that right now. You know, that gentleman passed away a few months later. It's beautiful, but sad. How and with fear and trembling, I I, have, I I am very humbled and, and sobered to to think about being tasked with sharing the truth of God and and I, I wanted to share this message with you today because I never want to stand before God I never wanted to be said that that we were a group of people and I was a pastor that did not make it very plain that the Bible is the truth and the only way to God is through Jesus Christ. He is the life. Next thing. Keep going to this next verse. John, 1 John 15, 11, 12. And this is the testimony. God has given us eternal life. And this life is the, his son. Whoever has the son has life. Whoever does not have the son of God does not have life. Pretty, pretty straightforward. And you work that over into Romans 10, 9. Romans 10, 9, if you declare with your mouth, Jesus is Lord, and believe in your heart that God raised him from the dead, you will be saved. If you declare with your mouth and believe in your heart 
You declare with your mouth and believe in your heart, for out of the heart the mouth speaks. Salvation is a heart issue. It's a you and God issue. It's salvation is not physically an activity on your part or someone, I'm sorry, someone else's part that makes you right with God. Romans 5 says, we have been justified in the eyes of God through our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ. Therefore, we have been granted access into this grace in which we now stand. Therefore, let us rejoice. So the Bible is, is very plain that Jesus Christ is the, he is the way to heaven. He, he's the mediator between man and God. And whoever believes in him, whoever declares in him, whoever believes in him will be saved. The, the pomp and circumstance of church over the years has so much convoluted the simplicity of the gospel that these days I would rather sit down at Starbucks with someone who's never walked through the doors of a church to try to tell them about Jesus. And that's so sad. Most churches, I should say. Salvation is a simple issue. That part of you, that heart of you, that part of you that's you, that part of you that makes you you, that part, that part of you that you give over to something in your life, that part of you that it takes that part of you to buy into something, that part of you that it takes to be a good, a good father, a good, that part of you that makes you you. God says, that's who I made you to be and that's who I want. Turn that part, turn your heart over to me. You don't have to fix it. You don't, you, you, you do not. How idiotic would it be if you and I went fishing next week and so now I want you to only catch the fish who've already, that have already been cleaned. How idiotic would that be? You're like, but I've got a wahoo on the line. Cut it off. He has not been cleaned yet. You don't, you don't have to clean up. Jesus is in the cleanup business. He's in the change business. All of us can testify to that. And we're all still a work in process, by the way. Confessing with your mouth. Now, let's go back to John 14. Let's go back to where we started. Jesus talking to the disciples. Jesus is speaking to the future. Jesus is speaking to the men who are going to spread the gospel. Do not let your hearts be troubled. You believe in God, believe also in me. My father's house has many rooms. Isn't that cool? I challenge you this week to read this this passage and just sit. Wherever you're most at peace, just sit and think about that. God, you have a room. You have a room with your name on it. If that were not so, would I have told you that I am going to prepare a place for you there? And if I go and prepare a place for you, I will come back and take you to be with me that you also may be where I am. Wow. So let's pull back all the layers of religion. Let's pull back all of the things that maybe we think that we know because someone told us that we had to do this, that, or the other. And let's just look at the scriptures that we've looked at today. He is the gate. He is the good shepherd. He is truth. And that truth tells us He is the only way to the Father. And He is life. He's light. And so I've got to ask you today, can you point to a moment in time where you've taken advantage of that gate?
Maybe you're like the, the gentleman who had gone his whole life and said, you know what? I don't even know if I've ever been saved. Or maybe you're just new to church and, and you feel God tugging on your heart like those three people last night. It's so beautiful. This, this lady gave her heart to the Lord. She came in town to visit a friend she hasn't seen in 36 years. 36 years they hadn't seen each other. They went to high school together. Sat right there. Cried the whole time I was preaching. I got done preaching, gave the call for salvation. She raised her hand. She didn't stop crying from the time I started preaching to the time she walked up to these altars and shook my hand to the time she walked out that door. The love of God was so on her. I wanted to go with her. I did. I was like, I want to be your friend. Oh, how we should carry that love of God every day of our life. But maybe that's you. Maybe you say, I need, I need to accept Jesus Christ as my personal Savior. Today's a great day to do that. Would you bow your head all over this place? No one's moving around unless you have to. Say, Jason, that's me. I've never made a decision to follow Jesus. I can't point to a place in time where I've given my life and my heart over. Maybe that's you and you're sitting there and you feel the struggle right now. You feel the struggle between what you don't want to let go and what you're, you feel like you'll have to get up. Friend, can I tell you, when you meet God, you get way more than you give up. But maybe that's you and you say, I need Jesus in my heart. I need him in my life. I need to make that commitment today. I need to make that decision. I want to put my faith in Jesus today. If that's you, would you just slip your hand up long enough for me to see it and put it right back down? I see your hand. Anyone else? I see your hand. That's awesome. I need Jesus. I need change in my life. If you raised your hand, praise God. In your heart right now, you have believed in your heart. You're being made into a new creation. I want to pray with you. Two things I want to do. I want to pray with you. Right where you sit, I want to pray with you. And then after church, please go out to the tent or up to the table under the screen behind the baptismal and get a Bible and a seven-day devotion. Tell somebody you just accepted Jesus. But pray with me right now. Pray this prayer. Father, thank you for loving me. God, thank you for showing me today that I need you. God, thank you for showing me today that the only way to be at peace with you is through accepting what Jesus Christ did for me. So right now in my heart, I'm confessing that I believe that Jesus Christ was born of a virgin. I believe that he lived a sinless life. I believe he took my death and sin on the cross. I believe he was placed in a grave and I believe he rose from that grave on the third day. And I believe he's coming back for me one day. And so right now, God, thank you for your love that's flooding my soul. Thank you, God, that in this moment, I know that you're dealing with my heart. There, there is no one that can tell me any different, God. I understand that you're a real God. Thank you for your love. Thank you for your grace. And thank you for your mercy, Lord, over my life. Thank you for forgiveness and salvation. Give me the boldness to go up to that table and grab a Bible and a devotion or to the tent. Give me the boldness to tell someone I just got saved. And help me on this new journey. In Jesus' name, amen.